Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. This meeting is being recorded. Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, the Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast, episode 59. We're going to begin on page 211 with We Strive for Balance. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Lisa, what's happening? What's up? I'm Lisa H. I'm an addict. My clean date is 2-25-12. I attend meetings in Northwestern Central PA, and my home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville. Thanks, Lisa. What's up, Pop? Hey, Douglas. Good to be back with y'all. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm an addict. Uh, I attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana. My home group is Open Mind, and my clean date is January 6, 1995. Thanks, Paul. What's happening, Eva? Hey, everybody. Eva B. here, uh, Salem, Oregon. My home group is the Do It Hard meeting, and my clean date is June 10, 2000. Thanks, Eva. What's up, Lee? Hey, Douglas. It's good to be back with you guys. I'm Lee P. I'm an addict. Uh, I go to meetings in New Orleans, too, and my home group is also the Open Mind virtual meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. My clean date is 827-87. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. What's up, Casey? Hey, everybody. My name is Casey. I'm an addict. My clean date is 930 of 2013. I attend meetings in the Salem area of Narcotics Anonymous, and my home group is the Wednesday night basic step study. All right. Thanks, Casey. What's up, Jane A? Hey, Jane here. I'm an addict. My clean date is December 22nd, 1979. 10 meetings in the Willamette Valley area of Salem, Oregon, and my home group is the Thursday noon basic text study. All right, thanks, Jane. What's up, Jennifer? Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992. I attend meetings in Sacramento, California, and my home group is the Journey Within. Thanks, Jennifer. All right, folks, and fresh off of a birthday cake celebration. Barb, what's happening, Barb? Hey, Douglas. My name's Barbar. I live in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. My clean date is October 4th, 1995. I'm with Paul for a second anyway, till January comes. And um, my home group is the Open Mind, the hybrid meeting out of New Orleans at 7.30 on Monday nights. All right, thanks, Barb. Everyone wants to know, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? All right, folks. So here we go. Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. Oh, I, I'm at it. My name is Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000, Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, here we go. So this is episode 59, page 211. We're going to begin with We Strive for Balance, and Eva's going to facilitate. Eva, take it away. All right. Hello, everybody. Why don't we start with Barbara, the birthday girl, right at We Strive for Balance. Read a couple paragraphs from share with us for us. Sure. Thanks, Eva. Thanks, Barb. We strive for balance and we find it in different ways. When we get more comfortable with ourselves, we are more comfortable with others as well. Our willingness and humility show as a genuine desire to do better, no matter how well we are doing, not because we have something to prove, but because we care. We can practice principles in the workplace without being naive or overly eager to please. As we stay clean, we develop a new history. Our colleagues may not have seen us in desperation and might have no reason to guess that we are addicts in recovery. We don't have to let go of our anonymity to integrate who we are into our careers. That's a choice we can make for ourselves. We are human beings doing our best to be responsible and productive. Working can become an alibi for not practicing our program. We have heard many times that we will lose anything we put in front of our recovery and many of us have experienced this with jobs or material things that seem to make recovery obsolete or inconvenient. 
When we are using the tools available to us, we can see the challenges we encounter in our work as opportunities to practice our program. Applying the principles never makes life worse. When we are not practicing our program, our problems become magnified unreasonably. We feel overly responsible, obsessed and compelled to keep going, even when a break might be the thing that would give us needed perspective. And um, I like that we strive for balance and we find it in different ways. I, I think today I'm a little more balanced. I'm, I, I don't get too far out there for too long and I come back. And I put things ahead of my recovery and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> you know, I can remember an early recovery and I had a young kid that was off the chain. You know, he was like ADD and I chose not to do medicine or anything. And I would, I would try to take him to a meeting and feel like I needed a meeting. So um, I didn't go, but I did, I did use the phone um, and, and I did other, um, other things for recovery, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't advocate that to anybody. And, and what I've realized since is that I get what I put into my recovery is what I get out of it, you know? And, um, and today I, I'm always going to a meeting. I do the whole deal. I do it all because I, I want to feel good still. So, and I, I like um, the work stuff. You know, I think I've, I like back here on the page before where it says our work can be something we do to fill time or to pay the bills, or it may be one of the primary ways we define ourselves. I clean houses, so I do it pretty much to pay the bills, you know, is what I, what my work is. I haven't um, really had a career and, um, and that's okay. You know, I, I get a lot out of, I go into people's houses. I'm very intimate um, with people and um, um, recovery allows me to do all that, to be comfortable, you know, with, with people. And I, I always tell my son to find something that you love, you know, because I, it's been my experience. I've had, I had a vendor job and I didn't really love any of them. They were just a way to pay the bills, a way to work, you know, so that has not been my experience. So uh, I'm feeling a little under weather tonight, so I'm going to shut up and quit babbling. <laughs> I'm grateful to be here. It's good to see you guys. I miss you and I love you. And that's it. Thanks, Barbara. I'm just going to say this line because I love it. Applying the principles never makes life worse. I just love that line. And then I'm going to go to Doug. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Eva. Yeah, two comments I wanted to make, and they're both in the, the, the first paragraph. As we stay clean, we develop a new history. In the margins I have written, like, that's very poetic. It really is. Like, that really warms my spirit to, to look at that. As we say, we develop a new history, it's like, like my perspective of my history kind of changes, or, or my perception of my history changes, my perspective of the future changes in the moment now. I think it's so, that's such, it's, it's a beautiful line. It really is. And so so that's kind of cool. But also the first line of the paragraph is just total bullshit, really. So, you know, we'll have like the yin and the yang with that there. Bro, we strive for balance. I where, where I'm at, and this is just for me, you know, this is just for me. I don't want, if, if someone's in their first, I don't know, three years, five, maybe 10, I don't know, something like that. And I hear them talking about balance. I just want to scream and shut the fuck up, really. What of balance what? That's where I'm at with it, man, for real. Like we strive for balance. Like the, the pursuit of balance, I think, is one of the most out of context type of thing that, that that's talked about. It just is, man. It, it, it really is. Last weekend, we were talking with a guy new. Hey, man, you going to a meeting every day? Nah, you know when I can't. Calling your sponsor every day? And I sponsor his sponsor, so I know what we do is that's a, it's a check-in every day. 30 seconds or 30 minutes, but it's a checking it. Nah, not doing well. How come? Well, I'm trying to find balance. Look, man, I'm the I could feel my face just, you know, when 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 I hear that, it's fucking he, I mean, he's using that. You know, he is, man. He was just asked a dude about him today. I mean, he's fucking using it. Doesn't take a one of the the the, the other most misquoted thing uh, of the basic is there's no model for the recovering addict. But there's a fucking model for someone who's about to get high. 1,000% there is. Not calling my sponsor. Not putting recovery first. Not hitting meeting. This, this, in the pursuit of fucking balance. That's the, temp, that, that's the model for someone who's going to relapse. So 
folks, I'm going to step off the, I'm going to step off of my fucking soapbox now. You know, I just wanted to say, I love you guys. I'm going to go ahead and pass with those comments there. All righty then. How about you, Jennifer? Sorry about that. I could not unmute my not unmute for a minute. Anyways, um, I'm not real clear on what Douglas thinks about this. So I just wanted to say that out loud. I'm still wondering a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I was going to talk about this first sentence, but now I feel like I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> listen, my, my notes in this are that balance is elusive. And, and for me as an addict, my constant, constant need to try to strive for something, I'm never going to find the perfect balance in my life. I'm just not. There's going to be issue areas. And I talk about this with my sponsees. There's going to be areas in our lives that always need more focus than others. And then that one we are able to manage. And then there's a new one. And then there's a new one. And, you know, the best probably one I can relate it to is probably parenting because it's what I've been doing for the last 23 years. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, one day it's my kid's grades. The next day it's my kid's behaviors. And next month it's, you know, oh, I, you know, smoked weed with a friend. You know what I mean? And as an, as an addict in recovery, that freaks me out. So this, the, you know, I have some things that are balanced in my life today. I feel like I had balanced in my recovery process and I have a really good handle on that, but the rest of it is kind of up for debate every other day. So, um, but I, I think one of the things at the end in the second paragraph where it says we feel overly responsible, obsessed, and compelled to keep going, even when a break might be the thing that would give us a need of perspective. And, and uh, you know, uh, Eva brought up applying the principles never makes life worse. When everything in my life is out of control, when I'm feeling all of these ways, it's because I have no principles. And if I'm not stopping long enough to take a breath, you know, um, my life gets really out of whack really quick. And, and then I'll relate this to a current experience and then I'll, and I'll, and I'll pass. But, you know, I talked about a couple of weeks ago about an issue at my job that I just didn't have a whole lot of, um, I didn't want to manage it really well. I really wanted to, you know, talk out of the side of my neck and get really upset about it. And, you know, I still continue to struggle with this job. And, and um, you know, for the last two days, I've been in my head about all of the reasons all the way from I'm going to be in the poorhouse because I'm not going to have a job anymore if I tell my boss what's going on and and you know and I've had two meetings with her today and, I, and the end result was a pretty good end result because I went in there and talked to her about it and got honest and transparent shocking that that actually works by the way because two, three hours ago I was convinced that if I did that I wasn't going to have a job anymore I'm happily you know employed still I don't know how about happily but I'm still employed and um, anyways, and so we talked about some solutions. So my point to all of that is, is um, anytime that I'm hyper-focused on anything, it's never a good ending for me, right? The disease is in charge. I'm not available to think rationally. And, um, and when I can stop, take a breath and get some needed perspective, right? It all comes back. So in my strive for having a more a life that's less chaotic versus balanced because I don't know if I'm ever going to have that um those are the things that I have to practice today so I'll pass with that thank you Jennifer for your transparency uh Lisa hey as Doug was sharing I was thinking about something that somebody I think it was on a spad um earlier this week or maybe a couple weeks ago that somebody told the story about the box and the stick and when I like the story is like when I got clean, they gave me a box and a stick and I thought it was to stand on top of the box and hit people. But it turns out it was actually to use the stick to destroy the box. Right. But we're not like in the anonymity piece of this yet tonight. Um, but I don't disagree um, because like that's also kind of what I was taught when I got clean. It was like, you know, fuck your sense of balance. Like, what are you willing to do to stay clean? Um, you know, because, um, you know, I was willing to do whatever it took to get high. You know, um, and I think as we're sharing on some of this, I'm hearing um, some acceptance and I'm hearing some surrender, right, are the principles that are kind of jumping out to me, like something like I relate a lot to what Jen just shared, um, you know, something I've learned about balance is that I have to kind of accept that in any given moment, whatever I'm giving my attention to is the thing that I have determined is the most important at that moment. And sometimes that means that like, 
you know, like my kids downstairs watching TV. Do I like to plug him into TV all the time? No. Right. But you know, I'm giving time for this right now, you know, and sometimes that means that work gets a little more of my attention and my family doesn't get as much, or sometimes vice versa, or sometimes I'm really plugged into NA, but then like other areas of my life, maybe not so much. And, you know, I have to learn like how to, I don't want to say even balance, but maybe equal that out a little bit and kind of learn, like if I'm not showing up for my family, because I'm so head first into NA or I'm so head first into work, um, you know, that like, maybe I do need to use the tools of the program to like show up in other areas of my life because NA taught me how to do that. Right. Like you guys teach me all the time, how to show up as a parent or how to show up as like an employable member of society. And like that bottom line too, like continuing to go, even though like a break might be the thing that I need for perspective makes me think of that like previous passage in this book about success as an ultimatum, right? Like if I don't succeed a hundred percent perfectly, I am a failure, right? And I think sometimes I struggle to reach that point of surrender and put my hands up and say like, okay, I accept that like I have pushed this too far or I am overly obsessed And I just keep pushing, trying to like force the outcome, but like our literature tells me too, that like, I don't have to manipulate outcomes anymore. Um, You know, and like, I think that comes with that piece on getting more comfortable with myself so that I can be not only more comfortable with other people, but also just more comfortable with like accepting reality because like my expectation and actual reality can really be two different things on any given day. Um, So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Ms. Lisa. Um, I'm just going to touch on this one other thing, and that's working can become an alibi for not practicing our program. And I can remember a time when uh, I was specifically working in the recovery field, and um, and I see this a lot, um, that uh, that job is so consuming. And we do, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of us become counselors, and then that becomes our recovery. And um, speaking for myself, um, I had to get out of that field because it came so consuming. Um, And that became my recovery. And what happened is that my cup never got filled. It was constantly empty. And, um, and I really wasn't practicing a program. I was, I thought I was living a program. And, uh, and there's no living a program if I'm not doing the uh, the 12 steps and I'm not going to meetings for myself. You know, taking somebody to a meeting isn't going to a meeting for myself, that kind of thing. Um, also, um, having a my own business can be all in consuming as well. Like, um, like I think it's so important that I can't turn my phone off for one hour or one and a half hours just in case an employee calls or something like they can't leave a voice message like the shit can wait. It really can. Nothing is so important. You know, I suppose something could be, but odds are it's not going to be so important that it couldn't wait for a freaking hour. Um, And my recovery can save my life for longer than an hour, you know? So um, with that, I'm going to move over to Casey. And I just want to shout out we haven't been here for a couple of weeks and I want to shout out to Casey celebrated nine years while we were away uh, as well on September 30th. So let's just say that. All right, Casey. And when you get done sharing, if there's nobody else, why don't you read the next two and, and get us in, start us into uh, anonymity. Thanks, Eva. Um, so I'm going to contradict Douglas because that's just what I like to do. But you know what? I strive for balance in my life today. But for me, what that looks like is how do I fit everything else second to my recovery, right? Because what off balance looks like for me is when I'm putting anything else in front of my recovery. And that could be school. It could be work. It could be relationship. It could be whatever. But, um, when my life looks balanced, those things are meshing well together and I'm not putting anything before my recovery. And for me, that's what balance looks like. And the other piece of this paragraph that I really liked that really applies to me is, um, we can practice principles in the workplace without being naive or over, overly eager to please. And, and I struggle with that, not being overly eager to please, but, uh, you know, I want to be caring and compassionate and, um, 
open and honest and all of these things, but I still have a business to run. And so I am constantly in a battle of how do I show you grace and compassion um, and still run a business and do disciplinary things or, you know, that type of stuff. And I know that when I first stepped into uh, the, uh, the position that I'm in, um, that was tough for me. I was so worried about what you thought about me or looking bad to my boss if this department failed because I came into this department at ground zero that was a bitch. I was not, um, I, I did not find anything that anybody did right. I was constantly criticizing people for what they were doing in an attempt to please my supervisor. And, uh, you know, today uh, on most days, that's pretty balanced, but I'm kind of in that moment again, where I'm having some struggles with one particular person. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I am asking myself, how can I um, not damage this relationship by what I need to do? Um, still do what I need to do to ensure that our business is operating accordingly um, and still show grace and compassion. And sometimes that's hard. You know, that's really, really hard. Where, where is that middle ground? Where's that balance, you know, um, of, of being in that place. So uh, I'm super, super grateful that I get to work through the steps that continuously show me on how I can do better. I can't change this person. You know, Jen talks about work stuff. You know, I can't change anything that this other person is doing, how they're going to treat me, how they're not going to treat me. But what I can do and what I'm willing to do is constantly look at myself and how can I show up as a, a decent human being without feeling like I need to talk out the side of my neck or go off on this person and still at the end of the day, be able to look myself in the face and, and, and no matter how they respond and be okay with what I said and did. So that's it. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to read. Uh, we are successful members of society in and out of the workforce. We have as much integrity towards our jobs and the people we serve outside the rooms as we do inside the rooms. And that's the point. When we practice these principles in all our affairs, we bring so much to the world. It's not just a theory or another awful lecture about potential, it's our experience, it's what we do. Should we move on to anonymity or do you guys wanna to touch on that one? Keep going, okay. Anonymity, um, our addiction no longer sets us apart, but making the decision to tell people about our membership in NA should be done with care. We can be recklessly casual about our anonymity. Anonymous is half our name for a reason. There is still a, sig a stigma attached to being an addict. And there also may be consequences to admitting we're in recovery. Caution isn't the only reason for anonymity. The 12th tradition tells us that it's our spiritual foundation. The fact that we're anonymous means that the work we do in NA really can be selfless service. We don't want or need credit for helping others. It's what we do to save our own lives. We don't benefit from sympathy for our condition. The price is that the price for that is ultimately too high. In the rooms we are equals with one another, and out of the rooms we are equal with our peers. Uh, that's a a good section. I am currently um, dealing with this. You know, I've talked about. I've decided to leave the company that I've been at for a few years, and. Um, 90% of the people within that organization know that I'm in recovery. Um, but I was doing an interview with another company and I was talking about, you know, not being available on Tuesday afternoons. And I completely stopped myself from saying, you know, for a recovery thing, it's like, oh shit, these people don't know. You know what I mean? So there's that, that, uh, it, it's not a fear. It's just a, you know, this is sacred to me. This is my sacred ground. And, and there is that stigma that's been attached. There are still people that I have that are in my life today that will always think of me as a junkie who's worthless. And, um, you know, I, I, I only share my recovery and that I'm in recovery with people who I know and trust that are going to not put that, that stigma or that judgment on me. The other thing I love about anonymity is in this paragraph that it talks about is, the anonymity within Narcotics Anonymous, right? So Narcotics Anonymous is not a pyramid where it's one person and then all of the rest of us. We all um, come together to make Narcotics Anonymous work. And I love that. It's not on the shoulders of just one person. It's not run by just one person. Um, every person is equally important to for Narcotics Anonymous to sur survive. And 
Um, I read that in a tradition study and that's always really stuck with me. Um, it really uh, sealed the deal on what that word meant to me because I, I know that I can't do this program without every person that I have in my life. Um, and I feel like it's pretty safe to say that most people that are working an active program of recovery would say the same thing. Like we need each other to make this program work. We cannot do it with just one person. So that's it. Thank you so much, Casey, for your experience. You can hope on that. I don't see anybody else. So I'm going to ask Paul to read the next two. Thanks, Eva. Yeah. We check our motives before we share with someone that we are addicts, and we learn that this is a good policy anytime we consider disclosing something significant about ourselves. Taking a moment to pray and consider our intentions frees us to use our experience as a tool rather than a weapon. We consider, we consider whether we are seeking attention, making ourselves look important, trying to justify our behavior, or whether we are able to offer help or guidance as a result of our experience. We may be letting someone get to know us better, create a bridge for empathy. We also want to consider our own boundaries. Is this something we feel safe to share with? Would someone else's anonymity be compromised by our disclosure? Are we limiting or protecting the relationship by not sharing about ourselves? In, is our action taking us outside the boundaries set for us by uh, the 11th tradition? We have something to share that has value in and out of the rooms. It is ours, and we have choices about it. That said, there are times when it is appropriate to let go of our anonymity, and of course, there are times when people find out through no action of our own. We have choices about how we want to respond. Members shared his experience. I have been keeping my NA membership a secret, but someone I had seen in meetings was friends with a rival at work. She told the rival and he told everyone. I was terrified, but the result was nothing. Now I'm free to be myself. I don't have to hide anymore. I can be uncomfortable or it can be uncomfortable or frightening to feel that we carry our anonymity as a secret. Not hiding means that we can be ourselves and also that we are free to carry the message when we see when we see an opportunity. So <laughs> this I, I hate to even share on this subject because it is such a personal decision and there will be nine different opinions in this thing and you know, it's sort of like the God thing. It's this is everybody's deal and nobody's right and nobody's wrong. However you feel comfortable, I can share my experience. After standing up in 1988 and saying I'm HIV positive in front of a, a huge audience, nothing can fucking get me now. Nothing. Fuck you. I, uh, I you know, I sat in a meeting last uh, three hour CEO encounter group that we paid thousands of dollars, like hundreds of thousands of dollars to go through my company. And uh, it was very productive. Um, I, I went in with a whole bunch of, I don't believe this shit, this is bullshit. Why am I here on my day off to do this? And at the end of the three hours, I was very pleased and looked, and it's kind of reinvigorated me. And I got a free book out of it, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. So that's, I got a free book out of that. So, but here's the deal. At the end of the encounter, wine glasses were brought in because we're going to pour into each other's cup how we feel about each other in upper management in my company. And it was, it ended up in tears and we were crying and there was stuff. It was a very good meeting in that broadest sense meeting. And everybody got poured wine, except for me and my boss. They brought in some passion fruit punch with no alcohol. And because I take the risk to tell my truth, the world supports me. Right? And if you tell the truth and you are not supported, that shouldn't be your world get a new world so that's the deal it's not don't run around being afraid of the world get a new world surround yourself with people who support you no matter what 
You know me. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not one to say, oh, don't say that. Oh, don't tell him that. Because that is the shame that we walk around with. And I am not going to buy into it anymore. So, uh, you know, I haven't shared since we started. But I, I will wade into the balance portion of this evening. <laughs> so here's the deal. I think that balance is emotional balance. That's what I'm looking for. Not balance. Look. On any given day, I'm working too much, I'm meeting too much, I'm step working with too many sponsees too much. So balance is not about that. It's about how I respond to the things that happen to me in my life. Is that balanced? And for me, in my life, the only way that that balance has come about is to work the steps of Narcotics Anonymous. I don't know how to have balance when I walk in here. So I can't be balanced until I work the steps. And here's the terrible thing, newcomers. It didn't happen on the first time around. <laughs> it got better. So keep, keep going. It got better. But I'm not sure when it started, when the emotional balance and the appropriate response to life on life's terms got real for me. When everything you said didn't crush me, when everything that happened wasn't an indictment of me, when people across the room were whispering and it wasn't about me in my head. That's the balance that I want. And if you're a newcomer, and you're talking about balance, you are talking about advanced calculus and you haven't taken basic algebra yet. Thanks. Ooh, Preet, Paul. I loved it, every bit of it. My sponsor tells me that if you tell the truth and don't keep any secrets, anybody can't talk about you and bother you like anything anybody's saying about you doesn't matter because you've already told everything so that's what she says to me and it works for me so uh jen what do you got thanks eva you know i find this this chapter really interesting so far and, and i've had it when i read that when we read that line about the rival telling everybody you know they were in a 12-step program I had an interesting experience at my old job. The, the very first week I was there, they were doing this kumbaya get together with the team where we're going to go wine tasting. And I was like, okay, well, you know, and I probably had about, I don't know, 15, 10, 12 years clean. And I just said, you know, don't pay for me to have wine because I don't drink. And that was like the end of the story. And like a half an hour later, then my boss pops his head up over the cube that I'm sitting in. He's like, are you in the 12 step program? And it was like an immediate, like, I was like, Ugh. I've only been here for two weeks, you know, uh, and I worked there for 17 years uh, was my point of that. So, um, you know, nothing bad happened. Uh, they set up some, you know, cheese board shit for me to eat that day. And we went in a limo and we ate and everybody drank and I got to laugh and make fun of them. Um, it was a real great time, really, to be perfectly honest. I love being an observer of that stuff sometimes. But, um, you know, fast forward about like 10 years into that job, I had a, a, a lady who knew I was in recovery in a different department and another lady who was, was an AA and had about eight years sober. And the, the lady that I worked with was like, Oh, you should go talk to Jennifer. Cause she's an NA. And there was this whole big, like back and forth thing. And so in that process, we really got to like explain to the woman that wasn't in the program, like that's kind of our choice that we get to tell people. And it was a really good learning opportunity. And, and her and I became fast friends and we're still friends today. And, and, um, and it's really cool. And, and we're able to do that, but it, you know, on both sides of the spectrum, really beautiful things happened out of both of those experiences, right? Nothing bad happened. And, and that's not everybody's truth, right? You know, the, the, the second piece of this for me is, and, and what I've learned about anonymity is, is a part of being anonymous is we're all the same, 
right? So it doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a lawyer, doesn't matter if you're a construction worker, doesn't matter if you work at 7-Eleven, we are all the same people in Narcotics Anonymous, right? And that's what creates, you know, that anonymous part creates that unity for us. Um, and so there's, there's really two sides of that for me. Like I get to choose how I use being an addict, whether I tell people or don't people, but on the, on the second step of that, it also reminds me every day that I'm not any better or any, but any worse than anybody in Narcotics Anonymous, no matter what. Um, and all of that is just really beautiful. And it's been a lot of, of um, it's been a really good lesson to learn for me. So I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right, Lisa, what do you got? Um, so there's not a whole lot I wanted to share that wasn't just absolutely mic dropped by Paul and Jen. Um, but um, I do, I really like this little story too about like the rival at work and just like the high school bullshit that like we can come across in the world. Um, you know, and as I'm listening to others share on this, I think like my anonymity is kind of out the window just in general, as far as like my membership. I just try to be very careful about like reminding people like, Hey, I'm not a representative of NA. Like, please don't like look at me and think that like, Oh, everyone in NA is like that. You know, like my life is pretty rad now. And I do try to like practice the principles in all my affairs, but like, I might still flip someone off in traffic with my NA t-shirt on, you know, like I'm not perfect. And, you know, like for me, that's what anonymity is about. Like, I don't, like NA will survive without me, but I won't survive without NA, right? Like, and I I need that to be there. So I don't ever want to be like the NA poster child or like, oh, that girl's an NA, you know? And and because like when I do inevitably fuck up, um, I don't want that to be a reflection of the program. Um, but like, as I'm thinking about this little story about like tattling, essentially like, ooh, she's an NA, right? Like, when I think about that, my brain goes, is that the worst thing I like, is an addict the worst thing I could be? Right. Because like, I've got a program of recovery, like that shit's fixable. Like you're an asshole. Can you fix that? You know, like I would rather be an addict than be unkind or dishonest or, you know, any of that stuff that, you know, I have come through as a result of these steps. Right. Because like something like that shit I have learned is fixable on a spiritual level. Um, meanwhile, like if you're going to use my recovery status as a weapon to hurt me, you know, that says more about you than it does about me. I feel honestly and fuck those people a little bit, you know, like I'm with Paul on that. Like I don't expect just because I'm in recovery, I, I don't and can't expect the rest of the world to really give a fuck about that. You know, I don't ask them to dance around it. I don't expect like my family to make changes but I do have the ability to choose who I surround myself with. And like Doug touched on, like there's no model for the recovering addict. Um, like I agree with the whole model of relapse thing, but to a certain degree, there is sort of a model of the kind of person I want in my world today. And like the characteristics of someone in recovery, this is like attraction rather than promotion. There are certain things in a person in recovery that are attractive to me today that I want in my life. And those are the people that like I call my we. And uh you know, I think about, as we're looking at this, I think about like the fourth tradition. I think about like the eighth tradition. Like I have the ability to make an autonomous decision for myself. Like I learned that from my home group, you know, whether or not to decide how I want to represent my own recovery in my life. And like, thank God for anonymity. Like I can leave all of those roles at the door, right? I don't have to worry for an hour a day. I don't have to worry about being a mom, being a partner, being a whatever it is that I am at work. I don't have to worry about like the grocery list that's always in the back of my head and all the shit I got to do, right? Um, and like that principles before personalities piece, like lets me, like that's my personality, right? I can put the principles of the program before my personality. And sometimes for me, that is an act of selfless service that I do for the rest of the world, right? Is like reminding myself, like, you don't have to say it. You don't have to do it. Like, I think Paul's the one who says like, shut the fuck up is a spiritual principle, right? Um, so like anonymity for me is also like much more than you not knowing my last name, but that's all I got. Thanks, Lisa. All right, so um, Jane, you've been awful quiet. Why don't you read the next three paragraphs? Ooh, three paragraphs, okay. 
<laughs> Thanks, Eva. When we run into when we run into people we know from work or other contexts in NA meetings, we want to consider each other's anonymity. We might be comfortable sharing our membership with others, but that doesn't mean the other person is. Allowing each of us to experience our membership in our own way is part of the freedom we give one another, just as we don't judge one another's desire to stop using. We cannot judge commitment or quality of membership based on a person's willingness to be known as a member. Learning to choose wisely and appropriately is important. We may be the only example of recovery someone ever sees, and our behavior is a reflection of our message. We want to consider this when we wear or carry any memorabilia or put in any sticker on our car. We are letting people know something about ourselves and we are telling them about the fellowship as well. Our message is carried not just by what we say, but also by what we do. Likewise, each of us makes decisions for ourselves about what kind of environment we feel comfortable in. Some of us are never in the presence of drugs after we get clean. Others of us find that our obligations to work or our families may expose us to people who are using. What one member sees as an unnecessary risk, another may find an essential part of integrating back into society. It is important to remember that we always have the option to leave if a situation has gotten uncomfortable. Yeah, so I kind of been quiet because it's been really interesting to listen to different people's perceptions of the reading uh, about anonymity and about, um, what was the other word, alibi and uh, balance, I don't know. And any given day, any of that's mine. So I guess it gets back to always has gotten back to me as directed by my sponsor is check your motives. Check your motives. What's your motives? And don't check your motives out with yourself because <laughs> you're going to rationalize and justify. Check them out with somebody else, your sponsor or somebody who's been around longer than you. Yeah. Because I can always find the right people to call to justify what the hell I want to do anyway. So I do know, and, and Jennifer touched on this, so did Paul, that it, no secrets. I can't afford secrets in my life. And when my not sharing who I am becomes a secret and I'm hiding, uh, I can't afford that. I just can't afford that. Um, I, I'm retired, so there's an awful lot of this that I don't have to worry about anymore. Except that I do, I don't have an NA sticker on my car, but I sometimes wear an NA sweatshirt, and I really wouldn't want you to know some of my behaviors in Walmart. So, I'm I'm definitely not perfect. I definitely have some behavioral problems, but God and I are working on it. We're we're getting better at it. So, I I can I my daughter got mad at the Walmart clerk the other day and threw a loaf of bread at her. And I thought, well, there's something I haven't tried yet. Okay. Didn't do any good though. So if you're fairly new out there, uh, I, I recommend that you talk to your sponsor uh, about anonymity. And, and I think what I was reading is the importance of it being a two-way street. Even if I don't care, the person I'm passing in the hallway with another member um, might care. And so I need to be cautious about breaking not just my anonymity, but their anonymity, because that's not my my business. That's not mine to do. Um, I I do know, and I have been guilty of it with that selfless work. We don't need the credit for helping others, and uh, and I can I can slip out an ego statement in a flat minute. I have to be really careful about um, about that. So. Um, I do think that if I'm trying to do, and Eva touched on this, the spiritual principles of the program and practice them on a day-to-day -day basis, that I have uh, an opportunity to not uh, fuck up as much. Uh, when I let go for a minute and start uh, trying to work on my own power and manage my own life, and, and notice that it's managing my own life. There's no God in there to help. There's no program in there to help. I'm managing my life and I'm usually in trouble by the end of the day, uh, emotionally, emotionally and spiritually. And that's what I'm working on today. 
my emotional balance and my spiritual balance in my life and uh, um, and peace. So, so I concentrate on kindness. I concentrate on not having to be so interested in the sound of my own voice. <laughs> and I'm a little quicker to not voice opinions. So, of course, I did an area meeting all day yesterday, too. So I'm, I'm worn out from that. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I was at that area meeting. It was something. All right. Thanks, Jane. Uh, Doug? Yeah, thanks, Eva. I want to make two comments again. So the one, the, the last sentence, it's important to remember We'll always have the option to leave if a situation has gotten uncomfortable. My experience with that, one of the 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 ones that stick out when I read that is is um, I, I was at I was at this uh, this shared housing um, situation and uh, and a dude came in and I was assigned to to live there and this dude came in smoking a joint and um, and I freaked out man and I freaked out. I was like you know what the fuck am I supposed to do? I went and slept in my car. And then I got up with my sponsor and stuff like that, you know, and figured out what to do. And, um, and, and, and I'm, and, and I'm still clean, you know, and it, it, it because, and so, so I share that, you know, when I talk, when I, when I talk with people about like, Hey, they're living situation, this and that we, we are free. Now I, I, it gets a little bit tricky. Maybe sometimes when kids are involved or minors and stuff, and, and as a fellowship, we need literature, specifically talking about what to do with minors in, in that situation, you know, for us who are getting clean young, but uh, um, I wanted to share that, but here, check this out. And I say this, this next little piece, very lighthearted, but uh, when it talks about running to people, you know, um, that we know from NA and like different places and shit like this, you know, I didn't make it out of 10th grade using um, the back, you know, the kind of like part two of that is like, after I got clean, I actually did, I ended up going to, to a high school, I finished high school clean. And, um, bro, I had a little bit of a uh, clean time and, and, you know, I got, got assigned detention, detention hall or something like that, you know, it was like for a month straight. But anyway, I walked into the, into the detention hall and I must've had, I don't know, nine months or maybe a year and a half, something like this or something. And, uh, the dude, the, the teacher in charge of detention hall, 60 days i was at a meeting with him last night you know he had 60 days we locked eyes and i immediately knew i'm walking the fucking halls i ain't sitting in detention today i got a lot more clean times just saw you at the meeting and but it's like you know events like that happen sometimes i didn't you know i didn't tell everyone hey man i've I seen him at the NA meeting but i was probably wrong in the fact that i didn't report to detention either though but uh but it, it, you know, that that stuff happens. I, I really agree with with the perspectives that that were being said. Um, you know, Chrissy Chrissy D always talks about how like my twelfth step starts with your with your first step, and I don't know if we can do that. You know, unless unless people know like, hey man, I'm clean and I'm working a program today. You know, so so that's something I try to keep you know keep in mind too. I'll pass. Thanks, Ed. All right. So for our last two paragraphs of this. Uh, section why don't we have Lee since he's been super oh I see Paul sorry Paul it's okay I, I let Lee go in a second I just uh, the part about other people's um I, I think it needs to be reiterated because uh, you know I'm I don't care if you say but I think you should give me the benefit of the doubt when I got here my mother said you are thoughtless you are a thoughtless human being and that is what I am trying not to be, is a thoughtless human being. I have got to try, even with two days clean, to be to think about someone else. Now, this is not just that. This is don't give phone numbers away without asking somebody, or can I give him your phone number? Can I do this? Or, you know what I mean? And, and look, just start thinking outside of ourselves. And that's so difficult for us. It's so difficult for me. I shouldn't speak for anybody else. It is difficult for me to think outside of how it affects me, how I feel about it. And I, I learned in here from y'all how to be thoughtful to other people. And more importantly, how to be thoughtful to the people that I love. And so I, you know, I learned all of that in here. 
the other thing is I have a I have a circle and square on the back of my car. <laughs> and I got to remember that when I am cursing the person out, cutting in front of them, honking the horn. You know, fortunately, I didn't put an N.A. in the middle of it. So <laughs> they'll just know I'm I, I, I'm abstinent, but not not recovered <laughs> when I do all that. So uh, take it away, Lee. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Eva. Um, when we share honestly about our lives, who we are, and what we do become vital parts of our message of recovery, our fellow members often take pride in our success, just as our family might. But we don't want to lose the foundation of equality that keeps us all alive and free. Knowing that each of us is no better or worse than any other member makes it easier to live with our past and to begin to hope for our future. It also means that we can see our success as part of our lives, but not as our whole identity. A change in our status for better or worse doesn't have to destroy us. Our practice of anonymity means that we can continue to grow in good times and bad, and that we can continue to see the benefit of practicing a program of recovery, even when our lives are extraordinary. Honest self-assessment is essential to recovery, but it is only possible if we are vulnerable enough to let someone in. We choose those mirrors carefully, seeking those we can trust to be honest, helpful, and kind. This difficult process is made harder when we are admired for our accomplishments, profession, or social status. We may find that people are reluctant to tell us about our flaws. They may not even use them. I'm sorry, they may not even see them. When we treat a member as an icon rather than as another addict seeking recovery, we deprive them of the opportunity to experience the recovery that may desperately, they may desperately need. None of our members, excuse me, none of our members is more or less valuable than any other. When we forget this, we harm one another and the fellowship as a whole. <clears throat> and uh, Eva, I'm being really quiet tonight because uh, A, I don't really wanna do this tonight. B, I was talking about not wanting to adult and Lisa said that I have to be an adult as a predecessor. Um, and that being held to the higher standard is some bullshit. Uh, newcomer, do not put anybody on a pedestal because they're going to fall. We're all human. Um, I just got back Sunday night from North Carolina. <clears throat> I shared, I was the closing speaker at a very rural convention that I was supposed to attend with my sponsor. Um, and unfortunately, three days before my anniversary last month, he passed. Uh, from a brain bleed. And so um, I'm like all over the place. Um, I have a, another situation compounding it. Yesterday, I think I said the third step prayer 17 times, which just kind of creates what I call a necessary day. Um, take my wife, but but don't, don't fuck with my money. And these people are, are dragging their feet on a deposit that should have been made, that's right, Douglas, on, on August the first, on October the 1st. And I've been having to deal with that. And so the, the upshot, the hope shot is I haven't used and I've been able to catch myself the majority of this period of time um, before creating a situation that I would need to make an amends for. Uh, I want to drop in real quick on the anonymity piece. The only time it's ever been uncomfortable for me, I think it was 1995, I was a character witness for somebody in court and the prosecution said, yes, but isn't it a fact that you're an addict? And I, I don't know what happened. I felt really calm. I felt attacked, but I, inside I felt really calm. And I said, yes, and I'm in recovery. And he tried to get the judge to strike out 
the and in recovery. And the judge said, no, nah, you opened this door, so I'll allow it. Um, and I look, at, I look at it more like it's just an equality piece. And, and Paul's symbol on his car is anonymous. Um, I have this, a similar one on my vehicle and most people have no clue what, what it means unless they're in the program or, or in the, the other program. They may be like, oh, wow, you know? Um, and, and I do believe that I represent this program in public. Um, sometimes when we're fellowshipping at dinner and there's some people like starting to talk really loud, I have been known to be the person who's like, hey guys, can we like, you know, mellow this out a little bit because people are looking or staring, wondering why we're so uh, animated. Um, and if you're new, uh, the hope shot is even through devastating loss, I lost a man who had been a part of my life for, for nearly 35 years, an important part um, of my life for 30, almost 35 years. And having to share through that Sunday without him was probably in the top six most difficult things I've ever had to do uh, in this process. <clears throat> and, uh, and if I don't use no matter what, which just for today, I am not going to use no matter what, I'm not gonna use another human being, I'm not gonna overcharge a credit card, I'm not gonna speed in my vehicle, I'm not gonna do any of those things. I'm just gonna get through the rest of this evening, another Zoom meeting at 7.30 that, that Paul's gonna be the star of, uh, he says no. He says no. Um, I'm gonna cry a lot, and and I'm and I'm probably gonna do something inappropriate at some point because I've really, really, really held held it together. And and that's Narcotics Anonymous. That's not Lee. That's not my nature. My nature would be to throw punch somebody, uh, which hasn't happened. And and I last night I was told I offended my group, so I quickly amended myself. Because sometimes I can't see me. I need you to say, hey, man, you're acting kind of weird. What's going on? Not just, you know, like go off on me or something. But it was told to me with love. Um, and I love you guys. And I'm grateful I'm back. And I've asked Jane and Eva and Casey, I'm going to ask you when we go offline about giving your number to a woman who's coming up to Salem. So thanks for letting me read and share. Uh, thanks. Thank you so much, Lee, for all that. It, it's so important to remember that, you know, even uh, if you have a lot of time or um, are considered, you know, I mean, you are a predecessor, um, but as a predecessor, your example of how to do this when things get really, really fucking hard and, um, so I just want to say thank you for that. Um, Jennifer, why don't you um, take us out? I just wanted to say this real quick because it really, this is for me um, where my recovery started. You know, I, I came to Narcotics Anonymous and, and if you're new and you think this, you're, you're not alone. You know, I saw all these people, they were smiling and they were pretty and they were shiny and they were happy and they were driving cars that, probably they had insurance on and they probably had a driver's license, you know, and there was all of this outside stuff that I saw um, about them that somehow made them better than me. Right. Cause I was the lowest of the low when I got here, you know, the shame, the guilt, the, you know, how did I get here? You know, uh, I was ashamed to be an addict and um, none of, none of our members is more or less or valuable than any other, you know, and, and the thing that, that really took me to a place where I knew that I was in the right place was just listening to people talk about their story. You know, the thing they're, you know, we talk about experience, strength, and hope, right? How did you get here? I needed that to identify when you said, you know what I mean? You, you, you sold your body, you know, to get loaded. Right. Cause I thought that I was the worst person. I was thought of, I didn't think I was the only person that did it, but I thought I was the worst person to do it because I was 17 years old. You know, I needed to hear a little bit of that. I needed to know that you transformed yourself from that to where you were in your recovery. And, and, and a lot of it wasn't 
material. It had something to do with it, but it was that look and that feel of like you had your shit together, right? And so like, sometimes I feel like I have my shit together today, but a lot of times I don't. There's a couple people here that know I didn't have my shit together today and I was freaking hot mess, you know? So I guess my point to that is, is that this anonymity piece is really like, we are equal, you know, we've all been there. We've all felt that and we, if you're new, like, you know, ask people about it. You know what I mean? If you're feeling weird about where you are, ask them about it. And, 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 you know, we'll, we'll be honest and transparent with you, you know, at least that's my goal today. So um, that I'll, I'll pass. Thanks so much. All right. That brings us to the end of this evening. So I hope you heard something here that will help you through today and the next day. Um, keep coming back. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.